Amen. Amen. And good evening to everyone. It is good to be in the house of the Lord this evening. What's up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There used to be a commercial uh, years ago. So I'm, I'm, I'm aging myself. Uh, it was a. Anybody remember the Wolf Brand chili commercial? When was the last time you had a nice big bowl of Wolf Brand chili? And, and the guy would say, well, that's too long. <laughs> it's been too long. Somebody already said it when I was coming in, in here. And they said to me, Brother Gary, it's been too long. Can we amen that? Amen. Boy, you look so good. I wish all of you could take a turn standing up here to see yourself tonight. Uh, just happy. I'm going to tell you, that today has been a long day for me. And uh, I, was, I, was, I was telling my wife a little bit earlier, we were taking care of some business. And I, I say, you know what? I wish that AI could duplicate me. <laughs> but I have been energized ever since I pulled up to the parking lot. And I saw all the cars. And almost before I could get out of my car, somebody was saying, hey, Brother Gary. And hello, and how you doing? You miss, do you miss us as much as we miss you? I, that didn't sound too enthusiastic. <laughs> we didn't just come for the barbecue, but that did help. <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, I, listen, I, I, I'm just going to, can I make myself at home, Brother David? I feel like I'm at home. If I, 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 I would take my shoes off, but it, it's too hard for me to do that. Uh, I'm rejoicing, thankful to God. Uh, Post-COVID, all that, you know, thank the Lord that's, that's kind of behind us and uh, it put us to the test, uh, but we still stand and we stand for the Lord. Uh, it's good to see, it, listen, it, I, wait, where's my phone? I left my phone in the car, but I, I, I need to take a, it's good to see the mixture, everybody mixed in and you can't hardly tell what color you are. Take a picture, Isaiah. You can. <laughs> We, you listen, this is going to be on our calendar next year. <laughs> yeah, I sent Brother David uh, a picture of our calendar. And, uh, and, we, this, and this year, you notice in our calendar this year, we are missing a picture of our fellowship with Memorial. And we normally include a picture of us either eating together or doing something together. And, uh, and, and so God is good. Isn't he good? He's good, he's good, he's good. I, th this, wasn't that singing something else? Oh my goodness, boy, I tell you what, what it's gonna be like in heaven. Uh, uh, just, and you almost make me wanna sing, but I'm not gonna sing, I'm not gonna sing. But God is good, thank you uh, for coming tonight to glorify and worship our great God in heaven. And, and I'm gonna, I see a clock right here. And so, so, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going to stick to my time tonight because we are worshiping God tonight. Uh, we know on Sunday evenings you don't accidentally fall in here. Uh, we know that you are the soldiers. We know that you are the saints. Uh, you are really honestly, you are the core of the church. And so, so, so we, don't want to, we don't want to bore you tonight. But if you'll allow me tonight for just a few moments 
May I challenge the soldiers. May I challenge the workers to be great, to be greater. And if you want to give this lesson a title, uh, it would be On to Greatness. On to Greatness. I could really almost stay in one short passage in the book of Matthew, chapter 23, verse 11, where Jesus said, but the greatest of you shall be your servant. We all know that passage. There's a word complacency, and it's defined as a feeling of calm satisfaction with our own abilities or situation that presents, prevents us from trying harder. We all become complacent at times. You know, we stop pushing ourselves to achieve new goals. Uh, many of us have arrived at a certain age and we feel, feel like we've worked hard enough. Sometimes we get complacent in our relationships. We go, get so comfortable, we're not willing to do all the hard work it took to get her or to get him. And so we start taking each other for granted. We stop setting new goals. We may or may not have had some major accomplishments or milestones in the past. And we perceive that our lives can continue to grow on growing without any additional effort. And sometimes we fall in that place. And we may or may not be right about it, but it's very unlikely that our lives will stay the same. A few weeks ago, I was absolutely captivated by, I was strolling on social media, and I, I was a marketing major in college, and I'm always intrigued by ads. I kind of dissect them sometimes, and some of them will catch me, and some of them don't. But I was scrolling, and it just popped up on, my, on, my, on, on the website I was on, a phrase that said, would you pay $100 for a book? And I thought that was unique. Would you pay $100 for a book? And, and in my mind, I said, nope, not likely. <laughs> but I looked a little further. It was a video, and I clicked the video. That's dangerous sometimes. But I, but I clicked the video. And Dr. David Cook, some of you may have heard his name, Dr. David Cook, PhD, highly respected sports psychologist, uh, author, uh, coach, mentor, teacher. It was his video. And it was a video, the caption, would you pay $100 for a book? Because that's how much the book cost. He said, he, he, this, this is the goal of the book. He, he, he had worked with championship NBA teams. Uh, he worked with the San Antonio Spurs when David Robertson and Tim Duncan were there when they won two NBA championships. He worked with major, major league baseball teams. He worked with national champions, uh, uh, volleyball teams, girls, with PGA golf professionals. He worked with, on, with Olympic athletes and Fortune 500 companies. He'd written other books. And this, he, he said, this, this is my life book. And I, I wanted to price it at a price that, that only those who were seeking a better life or seeking to improve would appreciate the book. And, and his goal in this book, he set out to find out what were the distinguishing characteristics of champion, champion leaders, of those who really set themselves apart, who achieved great heights, and especially those who did it under great pressure. 
While some of us, we do good, but when we get under pressure, uh, it's different. Some people crumble. He wanted to find out what made those who excel the most, what, what made them tick. And in this book, he identified, I don't want to give you all the details because some of you may want to go out and buy the book. But in this book, he detailed, he called, he, he detailed four, what he called four pillars, four pillars that were the greatest predictors of those who were either elite, successful, or would be successful. And then he gave some tips to make it practical that would help you, if you aspire to greatness, that you, that you could train yourself to become greater than you were. And quickly, these were, these were the, the four pillars. One was focus. Where you, do you want to get? Where do you want to go? One of the things, common denominators among all these individuals that he interviewed and the teams that he talked to, one of the common denominators were they were absolute detail focus on what they were trying to accomplish. The second one was passion. The second one was passion. Passion, how bad do you want to get there? One of the things he saw that distinguished those who would be great is they, they were laser beam passionate about what they were doing. They, they, they practiced longer, they worked harder, and they didn't call it work because it was something that they really wanted to do. The third was mental toughness. Mental toughness, do you have the mental skills needed to handle the adversity that was sure to come along? And these three pillars, I, I, I have, you know, I've read a lot of self-help help books and some improvement books, and so this was not necessarily uncommon. And I almost stopped reading the book. When I first started reading the first chapter, I said, you know what, I've read this before. But something told me to keep reading because it seemed like it was something a little bit different about it. And then I thought about it, you paid $100 for this book, you better read all of this book. <laughs> but I read on. The fourth pillar in his book he called it selfless exceptionalism. Selfless exceptionalism. It was those who looked beyond their personal achievements to pour into the success or the aid of others. Yeah, yeah, and he, 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 he identified stories of of, of some of these precious stories that he was uh, able to gather from some of the individuals. For instance, David Robertson and, 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 and what's his name, Duncan? Tim Duncan. When Tim Duncan was coming to the San Antonio Spurs and he was drafted, David Robertson had had a great career, Hall of Fame career, but he knew it was time to pass the baton. How David Robertson invited Tim Duncan to his home when he got drafted to make him feel comfortable, to have, having to eat a home cooked meal, took him out on the court, showed him the ropes, and just poured into this young man who was really almost about to take his spot. But he felt it was time to pass the baton. And instead of holding on to something, being jealous or being envious, he passed it along to someone else. The passage I just quoted and read from Matthew chapter 23. But the greatest of you shall be your servant. 
This actually is the book. And the title, you cannot see the title because I can almost barely see it right with the book. It's the title, Greatness is in Small Letters. The book is not that long of a read. And no, you can't have it. You have to pay your own $100. <laughs> but I just brought it to show you the book. It's not that long of a read. And one of the things that, that compelled me to keep reading, and, and there is a, there is, I can tell you this, if you, some of you probably have already Googled it, it's, I, I can tell you there is a chapter, there is a last chapter in the book that he, see, he puts a seal on it, and it's sealed, and before you read it, you have to answer some questions to yourself. Because, you know, there are some, there are some great individuals who have great accomplishments in life who've done things that nobody else have done, but they've almost kept it to themselves. And when you answer the questions, you don't have to read the last chapter, but if you answer the questions, then you can open up the seal. Can I share something with you tonight before I take my seat tonight? Few of us will make the Hall of Fame. Maybe somebody in here will. I won't say nobody. If there, if there is, it probably one, maybe two. Only one of us might make it to the Super Bowl. They just might. By the way, our team might make it to the Super Bowl. Amen. But can I say something to the soldiers, to the saints? All of us can be great. You see, this book is called Greatest. And he distinguishes the characteristics of someone who would be great. But in God's eyesight, all of us, how many, Brother Gary, every single person who has their faculties can be great in God's eyesight. And, and not for the glory of anybody else. But you know, I, and I was, I was reading, some, reading some other passages in the scripture. What could be greater than to have the creator of the universe to call us great? He did to some. Listen to Acts chapter 9, verse 36. Acts 9, 36, now in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. You know who she is. This woman was excelling in acts of kindness and charity, which she did habitually. And then when you get to verse 39, it says, so Peter got up ready and went with them. When he arrived, they bought him into the room upstairs and all the widows stood beside him weeping and showing all the tunics and garments that Dorcas Tabitha used to make while she was with them. Do you think for a moment that Dorcas, that Tabitha, when she was sewing and making these garments, 
Do you think she knew that her name would be written in the inspired word of God for us centuries later to read? But she was a servant. And I don't know about you. She was great in God's eyesight. Listen to this. In Joshua chapter 2, there was a prostitute whose name was Rahab, and she opened her home to some strangers. She knew were God's people and let them stay rent-free. And this prostitute's name, you know what? I, I, I know God won't be, I don't, he won't be writing another Bible, but boy, if I had my name in the Bible, couldn't nobody tell me nothing. And sometimes, sometimes we, I know you're probably not here tonight, but sometimes we get depressed, we get down, because we think we are insignificant. And all we need to do is recognize our value in God's eyesight by being great and being a servant. A little boy in John chapter 6 verse 9, a little boy, it seems, it seems, we don't know emphatically, but it seems he just gave five loaves and two fish to the disciples. I don't know, maybe they bought it, but he didn't grumble like some kid, this is mine, I'm keeping it. And we read about him every time we read the Bible. A little boy he had to be old enough to hold the fish. Little children can be great in God's eyesight. A Samaritan who we don't even know his name. In Luke chapter 10, going on a journey, he helped a stranger. He had compa a compassionate servant. When was the last time? When was the last time soldiers, and we get caught up, we study our Bible, we read our Bible, we come here and sing and have a good time in the Lord, and we pass up opportunities to be great in God's eyesight. And you know, all the instances I'm reading in the scriptures, all the instances, they seem like they're so private, the crowd is not around. They didn't get, they, you know, we, we, we don't need our names written in the bulletin to say we accomplished this goal. There are so many acts that we can do, simple acts that God sees that he calls us great. Look at Matthew chapter 27 and verse 55. Listen what the scripture says. It says, many women, didn't name all the women, many women were there looking from a distance at the cross of Jesus, who had followed Jesus from Galilee while ministering to him. Among them, it named some of them, among them Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and, and, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. It names three of them, but it didn't name all of them. It, does God have to, do, do, do we have to have our name in lights every time we do something? Yeah, yeah. And I just said, you know, Gary, you can be great. And, and I, I don't want to give the way, the, the end of this book, but if you read it to the end, it is, what is, is what led me to keep reading. I said, this man, this is a spiritual man. He's, and it leads you to the end where you see that he figured out that he needed to trust in God 
God is the only one that can give us the greatness, the fulfilled greatness that is beyond us, that is beyond us being selfish. And then I'll end with this. In Matthew chapter 25, at verse number 34, beginning at verse number 34, listen to this. This is, a, this is set the scene. It's, on, it's when we're at the judgment. Yeah, and, you know, at the judgment, we won't be looking around to see who's there. And I would, I would imagine that all my thoughts are going to be on Gary Smith. Although I love David Duncan, David, I don't think you're going to be on my mind <laughs> during that time. Listen to this. I believe this is the scene. I believe that this is the true scene at judgment. And I don't have time to read it all. Beginning at verse 34, when we're standing before the king, as even the scripture says, then the king will say to those on his right. And come, you are blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And he makes these statements that I know sometimes we want to we want to say this is metaphorical and yes, this, but he says these simple words. He says, I was hungry. And you gave me something to eat. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we try to do things too, either too grand or to be seen by others. But to, but to meet just a basic need that some of us just, some of us probably have eaten three or four times and, and we're about to eat again tonight. We take for granted that we can eat. And he says, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. He says, I was thirsty and you gave me, and we know we can give spiritual food as well as physical food, but I'm telling you, I think he's talking about both. He says, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison. This is what Jesus says to those on his right, the righteous ones at the judgment. He didn't have his roll book out to see were you at church every Sunday? Did you go to Wednesday night Bible class? Were you respectful to the elders? He wanted to know, were you a servant? And in that light, all of us can be great in God's sight. And so we issue that challenge to the soldiers to those who are already serving, as a reminder to do not grow weary in well-doing, to keep serving, don't complicate matters, don't argue about things you can't find the answer to, don't ask questions that you don't know the answers to and nobody knows the answers to, just serve and be great in God's eyesight. If you're here tonight and you're not a child of God, you can become one. By faith, believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. If you're willing to repent of all your sins, to confess Christ and be baptized 
in water for the remission of your sins. David, can we baptize somebody tonight? But again, we don't have time. We have time. <laughs> the barbecue gonna get cold, let it get cold. If you have a prayer request, you can respond to the, to the message by making it known to the shepherds of this church. Be standing as we